Welcome to the Codependent Me Podcast. I'm Tamara Shaw, a recovering codependent, a codependent life coach, and the co-author of God Turned Mommy's Wine Into Water. This podcast was created to increase the awareness of codependency and to give a more holistic look at the journey and healing of codependence. Welcome to the Codependent Me podcast. I am your host, Tamala Shaw, and today we have an exceptional guest. We have Adam Gunton, correct? Yes. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure I said it correctly. So yes, we have Adam Gunton with us, and he has a powerful story about going from being homeless to all of the wonderful things that he's doing today that I'm going to have him tell us about right now. Adam, welcome to the show. Pamela, thanks so much for having me. It's good to see you. Thank you so much. And um, we connected on Podmatch. I try to give them a shout out because it's it's a phenomenal concept um, for them to bring all of these beautiful people together. I've met the most phenomenal people through Podmatch, and I'm grateful for them. Um, but Adam, tell us, tell us about yourself. What's, what, what are we going to tell the audience about today? <laughs> well, um, I guess it kind of depends what the audience wants to hear here. Because a lot of my story, um, there's things that everybody can relate to, right? There's things that every single person can relate to from being in a place where you're trapped in something, like some kind of struggle that you feel completely chained to, right? Some people... Um, it's depression some people it's um, you know gambling some people it's sex or 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 drugs you know Um, and mine just happened to be drugs I went from a all-american boy I went to Columbine high school I was state champion uh, captain of the state championship football team my senior year you know I was a little league world series home run derby hitter when I was 13 years old and you know, had all this great stuff going on, but had this deep, dark secret that I was getting more and more progressive in my drug and alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. I thought I was just partying and having fun doing this kind of stuff, you know, and that's yeah. what it was at first. But then I, I missed that point of adolescence where you learn how to cope mm-hmm. because I didn't realize that if I'm high all the time, I'm not feeling different emotions that I have to learn how to grow into, right? Yes. So. September 28th of 2008, I had been out drinking and partying like most nights my freshman year of college Mm -hmm. when I woke up to my phone ringing and vibrating down by my leg. And I swam through the soft sheets to find my hard phone with the bright screen that read 4.47 a.m. And my best friend Chucker was calling me. And I remember having the conscious choice that I could either answer the phone like I always do with, hey, what's up, Chuck? Or I could answer the way I was feeling with, hello. Mm -hmm. In my still drunken state, I chose the latter, to which a soft voice replied, hey, what's up? Why are you calling me this late? I was just calling to say hi. Mm. Don't call me this late again. And I hung up on him. And he shot himself. And for nearly Mm. a decade after that experience, I was unable to share that phone call with anyone Mm. as I bottled it down deeper and deeper and deeper with drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol were no longer a way to party and have fun. Drugs and alcohol became my solution to life. 
which right. led me to being homeless. I was 86 from a homeless shelter. So I was super homeless oh. and I was completely alone, you know, and it even got to a point where uh, I was found dead by the police from an overdose mm. and something like eight or 9 million people have seen that body cam footage now. And I remember the day where I had to watch that video for the first time in court facing five years in prison because they found a little dope on me. And you would think that that would be enough to get somebody to stop. But I suffered for two more years wow. trying to trying to stop using, trying to get into treatment, trying what going to 12 step meetings in church and Bible study, doing all these different things. I even went to an MMA gym for a while thinking that the pros might be able to beat clean into me, but oh. nothing worked. Nothing worked. And the sad thing at that time, you know, I literally was turned down for treatment. I remember sitting in this abandoned house with this with this month to month phone, calling treatment centers, and I couldn't get help. I couldn't get it. Even my probation officer couldn't get me placed into treatment. So and why? If that's the case. Did they say why? For me, there were a few different things. A, uh, up until end of 2016, I was able to do really well with sales. And even with a needle in my arm, I was breaking records and door-to-door -door sales and stuff. Yeah. So I couldn't get private insurance. I couldn't get Medicaid because I made too much money. Mm -hmm. And then I had overdosed once when I was 19 and went to the hospital for it. So I couldn't get private insurance. They wouldn't, I couldn't get private insurance because it was on my record that I was an addict. So I was in this limbo. And then at the end of 2016, I quit my job. And in 2017, I think my tax return says that I made like three or $4,000 because I was just, I, I had to do something to be able to get help, you know? So mm -hmm. I ended up homeless. So I love that you are giving all of these different Ooh, all of these different scenarios of, or, or things that have happened to you and those things still didn't send you to sobriety, right? I mean, being found, being found dead, like I've interviewed a lot of people, okay? Never. And for it to be on film, like you've actually got footage, that is, mm, that's something, Right being put out of a homeless shelter, you know, I'm not sure what the reason was, but you would think, okay, I've got to get it together. You, you know, a person that maybe they've never gone through certain addictions when it comes to drugs, they may say, well, when will, when will you get it? When will you get it? You know? So yes. what was your rock bottom? And see, that's, that's an interesting question because I, I and I tell everybody this, Rock bottom's a myth. Mm. It is a myth for addicts. It doesn't exist. And my mm. entire purpose now is to raise the bottom. It's to raise the bottom. Because I thought it was rock bottom when I was in an apartment when I was 23 years old, filling up a syringe as much as I could and writing a suicide note on my iPad, you know, and then waking up the next morning with the needle still in my arm and yelling at God, right? I thought that was rock bottom. But- <laughs> Because you woke up. That's why you were yelling at God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got to slow it down. Like, why? 
why <laughs> right yeah it's yeah. like what is what is the purpose like i'm trying to do this yeah why am i still here yeah. and you know how people say that when something is very interesting you're leaned in like i'm i'm leaned in because <laughs> this is amazing first of all to look at you i can tell i can already tell like you've been pretty fit your whole life right so you you're you're athletic and you know so you would think that what I'm trying to get to is sometimes the body and the mindset can be in two different places, mm. right? Um, so looking at you, you completely look like you've got it all together. So has it <laughs> always been that way? It's working. <laughs> <laughs> so has it always been that way? Have you always had that look? Did people were able were people able to look at you and say, "Oh, he's suffering," right? I or mean, not? I'm 215 pounds right now. At the end, I was 148 pounds. Okay, so you I did, was very. There was sick. that look? You did. Yeah. Did have? I I remember. Man, I remember right after I published my book and it became a bestseller and it was going all over the internet and all this stuff. This this girl messaged me and I still have screenshots somewhere, but she was like, I remember sitting behind you in a meeting and having to lean away from you because there was just this like smell on you because for, for four or five months, I was going to meetings every single day, every single day. And the thing about me that I, that I make it really, really clear to everybody that I'm helping Mm -hmm. is that there is zero point at your end to be any kind of try to look good to be any kind of person you know you want to be as humble as and honest as possible for four months i was going to these meetings and in these meetings you had to raise your hand if it was the first second or third meeting since your last use four months every meeting my hand is up my hand is up my hand is up and i don't know what to do though all Mm -hmm. i know all i know to do is i know i have to be honest I know I have to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. And then what I was missing though, was that I didn't understand what willing meant. I didn't understand what that actually meant because this whole time I'm making all of my plans to stop. I'm making, I'm, you know, scheduling this meeting, scheduling this one. I'm going to Bible study this day and church this day at this time and this day and doing this. I'm going to go to the gym here. You know, I'm going to try all these different things. And I like had my plan so tightly in my grasp and I thought that's what willing meant. Mm. I'm willing to do everything to do possible. Right. Yeah. But what willing really means is to be willing to do whatever God makes the plan. Right. Whatever he says. And got to mm-hmm. a point, like, I, when I had been trying literally for months and months, like, actually trying to get clean, and I can't, got to a point where I was sitting in a car um, that this girl let me borrow, and it wasn't stolen but I did have to start it with a screwdriver. That's just, it's just how we lived back then. I don't know, but I'm sitting in this car. You had a car. It was a car. Okay. <laughs> I'm sitting in this car before Bible study. And I have this realization, like this epiphany. I've literally tried everything. Mm-hmm. I have literally tried everything there is to stop. I'm like, I'm wearing a large right now, a large shirt. I'm mm-hmm. swimming in a medium shirt at this point. I can't even eat. I can't afford it. For one, and for two, I can't even eat because I'm so sick. Mm. And I audibly say to God, I'm done. I'm not going to this meeting. 
I'm not going to church. I'm not going to Bible study. I'm not doing any of this anymore. God, please just let me die. Mm -hmm. And I remember so clearly how honest I was being when I said that to him. Right. I, I wanted to die. I couldn't live like this anymore. Because you were trying, you know? Yeah. I mean, because honestly, again, I've had a lot of interviews. I've had a lot of addiction in my family. And I can't tell you one person who is at one time in their life gone to meetings daily, Bible study, church. It's almost like you're you're doing all the things that your mind is telling you will take away all of these urges and all of these things. And you're going to come out on the other side and it's just going to be rainbows and butterflies, right? But that's just not the way it works. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So, so I'm, sit I'm sitting in that car and I tell him, I'm like, please just let me die. And I, and I hear him, right? And he says, it's time, go. And I just hear this like soft voice in my heart. And when I heard it, I didn't all of a sudden get excited. I didn't, I didn't get like empowered or anything. I didn't feel that. What I felt immediately was anger and anger at him. Because what's different about this time? It's been time so many times in my life. I've literally dumped all of my dope in a toilet saying I'm never going to use again with, and you could have strapped me with a lie detector test and I would have passed saying I'm never using again. Then I woke up in the morning and pawned my TV to go get mm. dope. And this has happened so many times. So I'm like yelling at him in the car. What's different about this time? And I'm crying and I'm hitting the, hitting the steering wheel and hitting the roof. And I'm just yelling and screaming at him. This is going on for a few minutes. And then I like start to calm down and I'm, and I'm <laughs> like getting my breath. And he just repeats himself. And he said, it's time, go. And again, I didn't get this sense of overwhelming, like, holy spirit power, I'm healed. <laughs> right. But in that moment is when the willingness came in that I had never felt before. And I'm getting chills right now because it's like, it changed me. And I went to that Bible study and I, and I walked in, I was late. All, they were all in the middle of prayer. I dropped down on my knees and threw my hands up. I was like, guys, please help me. I can't stop. I can't stop. I used to get it. I'm crying. And they've been hearing this for months, right? I've done this a couple times in there. But the difference this time to all the other times was I was no longer throwing my hands up to a church or a Bible study or a 12-step fellowship or a sponsor. I was throwing my hands up to God saying, I can't do this. Please help me. Yes. And we get through that Bible study. And at the end, you know, and because I know, I know you're a believer, you know, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you what really happened. <laughs> tell you what really <laughs> happened. At, the, at the end of Bible study, for the first time in my life, an elder came up to me and he said, hey, I just got a word. I need to pray for you. Mm. And he sat, he sat me down on this ottoman in the middle of this room. He put his hand on my shoulder, looked me in the eyes and started speaking to spirits inside of me in the name of Jesus for the first time in my life. And he's saying spirit of addiction, leave in Jesus name and spirit of depression, spirit of anxiety. And he starts speaking to the spirit of a cult because I did all kinds of stupid stuff in my addiction. And I'm actually legitimately feeling weight coming off of my chest, yes. weight coming oh. off of my shoulders, feeling this freedom, right? Yes. And I make it five days after that. 
And my best friend comes and picks me up and he takes me to IHOP, International House of Pancakes. Not yes, <laughs> yes. Because Christians asked me about that. <laughs> and uh, we're sitting there having breakfast and I'm talking, I'm all excited because I have five days clean, right? And I'm like, this is a miracle. I'm going to make it this time, you know? And then I get a text message from my dope dealer. And he's like, hey, I just got some new stuff. It's fire. I'll give you a free 20 to try out. And right when I read it, I felt the spirit go in through the top of my head, all the way through my body. My toes were tingling. My fingers were tingling. I lost my peripheral vision. And then my thumbs just started texting back. And it was in like King James. It was like, ye shall not text me again. Thou hast texted me for the last time. <laughs> it was going crazy. And then at the end of the, and then when I finished the text, I, I feel the spirit lead me. I was like, what the heck? And I'm like reading this text because I'm as I'm writing it, I can't even read it. And I show it to Brendan. And I was like, dude, that was not me. Was like, that was not me. I don't know what that was. He was like, all right. And I push send. I close it and I'm putting it in my pocket. I'm looking down. I'm like, dude, I don't know what that was. And I look back up and Jesus is sitting across from me. The entire restaurant had completely disappeared. There was a bright glow coming from behind him. He was smiling at me oh. and I immediately knew who it was. I immediately knew it was happening. I fell with my face to the table, my hand up. I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yes. Came back up and he was gone. And I have oh. no sense. <laughs> so <laughs> this is yummy. This is so yummy because a lot of people don't understand. I love that you said when you went to Bible study, that your surrender at that moment was not to man, mm -hmm. not to a building, but it was to God. Amen. And that, that makes all the difference in the world. And sometimes you can think, you know, when you're surrendering to the building and the people and the you might think that you're surrendering to God at that moment, but when you actually surrender to God, you feel it. Yes. Right? Um, my mother is, she was, she's a recovering alcoholic and she has been going to, um, she's been having, falling off the wagon, getting back on since I was about 15. So about, I think her, she just had her anniversary Sunday of 10 years. Amen. And Let's go. Go mama. Go mama. Yeah. <laughs> and she will tell anyone all of the other times she was trying to do it herself. She was trying to read the books and the this and the that. Yep. It wasn't until she surrendered and handed it over to God and said, this is no longer mine. It is yours. Yes. That is when she was able to stay sober as long as she has now. Yes. And I am so grateful. And I will tell that story as many times as I can, as I hope that you continue, because there is, that is the key as far as I am concerned. That is the key. And I, and I do want to make it really clear for, for people that are listening mm -hmm. that I wish that experience where I met Jesus at IHOP was enough to pull me through life, but it's not. We cannot give it up to God once and we're done. Every we day. Can, every day. And sometimes, here's the thing, like, sometimes we're going to be in this, in this situation where, you know, it's been a few days since we've had a real talk with God and we're like, you know, ugh, why, 
why am I worried about money right now? Ugh. Like, you really feel like this dirty. And then you just remember, oh my gosh, like, like, how is that possible? How have I not had a conversation with him in this long? You know, like, oh yeah, I got to get back into this, you know? And for people like me, like, and this is what I tell people that have been through something really, really hard, right? Mm -hmm. Really, really hard where you really learn that reliance on God, you know? It, it gives us this superpower. When you, when you use the power of God and you understand his grace and, his, and him saving you from something, you can take that into every piece of life for the rest of your life. Because he didn't just want to save me from addiction. That is not what his grace is for. <laughs> it was to save me and give me an abundant life of total potential with him to help other people that's what he's about yes what he's about and and as crazy as this is and you may or may not agree with me Mm -hmm. but he knew that you were strong enough so he trusted you with all that you went through because you survived it you are giving him the glory and you are paying it forward to others to understand what addiction is, what it feels like. Plus in the recovery, there is still work. Mm. So with that, so there are certain habits that come on your, on a daily basis, right? You do certain things, you get up, you have breakfast, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) So I know that you had certain habits before recovery. Did your habits change after your sobriety? Mm, yes <laughs> my habits change often often there are certain non-negotiables but I try to like I do what's called habit stacking so Ooh. I add I add one at a time and I do it until it just becomes routine right it just right. becomes my routine so it's no longer a habit it's just what I do right. you know like now I'm up at 4 30 in the morning first thing I do is get in 34 degree water then, you know, dry off everything, get ready, get dressed, go to the gym. You know, then I come back here and I'm spending some legit, like I have a whole morning, two, two and a half hours to spend with God. Spend with God, like in the word, in journaling, because journaling is super important, like being able to reflect on how you're feeling and what you're, what's going on in your life and things like that. And then to, if you're not setting goals on paper, then everything that's happening in your life is a reaction you're you're going towards things with no aim and it even says in in the bible it says to write things on a tablet make it clear make it plain that's right make it plain (laughs) every single day i have six things that i'm doing that are taking me towards the long term of of the vision right and my my vision is clear to end the suffering and death caused by drugs. That's it. And I I actually, I truly see a future with that here. Beautiful. And, Beautiful. and it's not, and some people like, oh, we're never going to get rid of addiction because of this, 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 and that. Dude, Elon Musk is putting chips in people's brains and making them see again. Like, I am right. pretty sure we can find the way that we can come together as a community, stop fighting about which way is right because there is no right way there is no right way to find recovery 
because none of them are working right now. I believe there is a way where we bring everything together and people are going to stop dying and suffering from drugs. I believe it with everything in me. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Now I have so many questions in my head. Um, So if there is a listener who is struggling right now, what would you say to them? What you're going through right now is preparing you for what your purpose truly is. I, you, it's really hard to see that when you're going through it. I, I just wanted to get clean. I just wanted to get off of drugs. But now I see that if I wouldn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have been able to help the over 1,000 people that I have now find recovery. A thousand people. And how many, have, how many have they helped, right? And whatever you're dealing with right now, I mean, I've, I've spoken to people that have gone through a really, really bad divorce, you know, a really bad divorce that was just like devastating to them. And as soon as they realize like, hey, there's other women that are going through divorces that they don't have to suffer for seven years like I did. I learned, you know, on the seventh year to do X, Y, Z and okay, like I can start, you know, feeling good again. No, I can teach them that in year one, you know, just like addicts. Like I was saying at the beginning of the show, it's crap that people say that addicts need to hit rock bottom. We can't let them hit rock bottom because 110,000 people are dying every single year in the United States alone. Every 4.86 minutes, someone in the United States dies at their rock bottom that's what rock bottom is the entire purpose of someone in recovery is to raise the bottom whatever you went through your story is meant to inspire others not to go there and if you if you're blessed if you're blessed to find the one that's at the bottom that you're at like help them up yeah, help them up because you're like, dude, I actually get this. Like for real, you want to see a picture? You want to see a video of my dead body, dude? Come on, let's go. I promise. Just follow me, bro. Just follow me. And it's it's the most incredible. And what 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 it? There is nothing more fulfilling in life. And I've and I've I've done really well with a bunch of different things in recovery. I've made a lot of money. I've I've spoken in front of a lot of people. All mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. There is nothing that feels the same as helping someone else with what you have been through. So if you're struggling right now, like the point is, is that you have to get through it, period. Whatever it is. If it's drugs, there are way too many resources now to act like you can't find the resources. And you can message me, you can email me at adam at recoveredonpurpose.org if you're struggling with drugs or alcohol. If it's something else, you've got to find what the path is to find the freedom from that. You've got to find what you need to do. It's not, you can't just pray your way out of things. Wish you could. I wish. Prayer without works is dead. 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 Yes. So you got to find the way out and you got to find the process because your process is what's going to become your message to help other people out of that. And if you're struggling with it, there's thousands of other people struggling with it right now that need you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so good. Okay, so talk to us about Recovered on Purpose. Amen. 
Well, Recovered on Purpose, our mission is to equip and empower addicts in recovery to share their stories powerfully with those suffering, to encourage and help addicts recover, and to share our stories in the school system to deter the future generations from going down the path of addiction. Mm. Everything that we do, every project, every partnership is to the end of having that vision that I told you earlier come to pass, a future where there's no more suffering of death from drugs. And what we're doing right now, we're actually almost completely finished with a comprehensive 50-state resource guide for addicts and alcoholics that don't have private insurance or financial resources for treatment. And what we do with that, we're building a whole new website, like a really, really comprehensive website. And then with that, I've got resource managers. And within the next 18 months, we're going to be able to answer and be on the phone with every single person that reaches out to us within one minute. Within one minute, the person that reaches out for help is going to be talking to somebody in recovery that will then plug them into all the local resources that are available to them where they are. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to walk them through all the Recovered on Purpose programs. I teach people how to write books. I've, you know, we've published a whole bunch of books and um, we do a, a podcast, we do speaking engagements, we do, you know, we are proud about our recovery mm -hmm. and that's what it's about. I believe, I believe in every form of recovery. And I think what's really lacking right now in the recovery community is that fire that we used to have, that each and every one of us has a responsibility to help the addict out there suffering. Yes. And we have so many mediums now, mm -hmm. books, podcasts, social media. I've got videos that have reached 4 million people. If, yeah. we, if we had 10,000 addicts making videos even if each of them made one video that reached 4 million people, yes. every single addict is going to hear the message. Every single oh, one out there. That's so that's, that's what it's about. We share our stories. We reach the addict out there suffering. And now we're building in the component to where I'm not just helping them in my messenger, but it's going to be like when they reach out to anybody, they can be connected with the resource guide and the resource manager that helps them find recovery. That is phenomenal. That's phenomenal. I mean, and, and again, that's putting in the work, right? Believing in the work, believing in the sobriety, believing in God and knowing this can happen. And I'm willing to be the one to help that, you know, help that happen. Amen. So your book, Cha From Chains to Save, mm -hmm. published in 2019. Fantastic. That's fantastic. You know, you you would think that's a that's a hard time, of course, right before the pandemic. But bestseller. Tell us about it. So this is actually how Recovered on Purpose started. Was that book? I was at I was at a conference out in uh, Vacaville, California, and right before that, I had been asking God, like, because I was making all this money. I'd never made this much money before. I had this new car, new apartment, all this stuff, and I was like feeling depressed. Like, if this is what it's about, like, I don't even want this, you know? So I like got, got on my bed or got next to my bed. Like, God, I'm sick of this. Like, I don't want this, whatever this is. I don't want it. Like, God, show me your will for my life. Show me how to help million, millions of people. God, you know, that's what I've always wanted. Show me how to do this. He shows me a conference the next day on Instagram. This is random, random uh, ad. So I go out to this conference first night there. Um, I'm, you know, the first session of it. I'm standing in the front and I hear him again, same voice as in that car, right in my heart, says your new company's called Recovered on Purpose. I was like, 
that's good. <laughs> I pulled out my phone like right it. there and I like got the domain name, got the secretary of state all done and everything. And, um, and then a couple of days later, a speaker comes up on the stage and he starts talking about uh, self-publishing a book. And I was like, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. And I'm like sitting here like rigorously taking notes, all excited and stuff. And then I hear that same voice in my heart said, if you publish your book for your two years clean and sober, you're going to inspire so many others to do the same. And I was like, two years? That's in five weeks. So how am I going to do that? So I, so I go home. I call my partners and my, and my managers and stuff. I'm like, hey, guys, I need a few weeks off. Um, you guys got this. If you really need me emergency, hit me up. But I'm going to be working on something. And for the first couple of days, uh, I knew I couldn't just like sit down and write a book, right? Just like write it. And it's going to work out, especially in five weeks. So I got on my whiteboard. And I started dumping out every single experience I could think of that I've been through in my life, every story, every experience, and I'm writing them out in five words or less. And then I think about what I want my book to share. And I want it to share about the reality of the spiritual realm, my testimony of, of like all these spiritual experiences that I've had in my life, not just because of drugs, but then how I got off of drugs and what's happened in recovery. So I start taking all of these stories from here that are spiritual experience. I'm like, okay, that one, and I put it over on this whiteboard, this one, put it over here. And then I just make this checklist. And I sit there and I write every single one of those out. And five weeks later on November 6, 2019, I published from, Ch from Chains to Save. And it's now been in the hands of well over 10,000 people. I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but- uh, That is phenomenal. So you gave I, me a bit of a tidbit <laughs> that the audience can what? <laughs> They can get their their own copy on recoveredonpurpose.org, right? Mm -hmm. And it'll be a soft copy, right? It'll be a digital copy and an audio copy. I'm the reader of it too. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I'm going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> so, number one, this has been phenomenal. Like, phenomenal. Um, but I would like to know, do you do, um, coaching? So mm -hmm. coaching for who? Uh, people who are in recovery or, you know, like if someone wants to reach out to you, what type of offering would you be able to they can reach? They can reach out to me. Um, I, I'm not doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with people anymore. Um, because I, I have coaches that will coach people, but I love to help people. I love to hear from people. I, every single person that mess, I have 168,000 followers on recovered on purpose. Every single message that has ever come to that page, I've personally responded. I've personally talked to everybody in there and I love doing it. Um, if, but I do have a course, Okay. what I was going to, what, with that whole process to write that book. I didn't realize at the time, but God was setting that up. That's now my, my, my foundational process of how I teach others in recovery, how to write and publish their books or how to put their story together to share on podcasts or to share in speaking engagements. So I do coach and train people how to share their stories with people out there that are suffering. Mm -hmm. And after you've gone through that, I do have a leadership course as well. We have groups that I teach people to lead um that are all for recovery that is so wonderful because it just continues to pay it forward right mm. ah it's it was a, each one teach one is that what they, it's just so beautiful that's so wonderful and we are non-profit 
So if you're accepted, you don't pay anything. Hello, people. I hope you heard that. <laughs> if you are accepted, you don't pay. That is phenomenal. And again, and this is how I feel in, in my heart. That's because of all the things that you went through. Mm. You know, when it came to trying to find different programs and I, like that's a part of the foundation and you are able to offer something free for people to get mm, I honor you. That's fantastic. Fantastic. So I ask all my guests, if you could leave one thing for the audience that'll make their day and they can, you know, take these words and hold on to them tight, put them in their pocket. What would you say to them? I want everyone to take a deep breath right now and ask yourself, what is the one thing that you could add to your life right now that would make your life so much better that you know if you did this one thing, this one habit, this one phone call, this one person that you haven't talked to that you know you need to talk to them. And it's time to do that thing right now. That's good. That's good. Oh, well, I'm going to take a deep breath real quick. <laughs> and breathe in this whole episode. This is so wonderful. I thank you so very much. For thank being you for having me, Thank you. This is wonderful. Um, mm, this is going to touch so many people. And I'm grateful that you chose the Codependent Me podcast to share your story and your journey and all the wonderful things that you're going to do and are currently doing. And I already know I'm going to want you back on later on in the year. <laughs> so good. Um, but I do want to let the audience know that I do understand that you can choose any podcast, but you chose this one. And I thank you. And just like Adam, you matter and your story matters. And you guys have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. I understand that nothing is more valuable than your time. So thank you for listening. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Codependent Me. And check out my website at codependentme.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day.